Imagine Action Podcast. Imagination. Creando comunità trasformative. Social arts across borders. Hello, welcome to Imagine Action Podcast. Today we have a reposting of an episode, both Theater for Good and an interview done with me a couple of months ago, where I speak about Imagine Action, theater, social arts with Megan. Um, in the end of the episode, I'll tell you about the next uh, episode, which includes bits and pieces from a conversation we had with Nico and me and Megan about podcasts and art. See you then. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre for Good podcast, a podcast for people who want to master the art of theatre for social change. I'm your host, Meg Nimigon. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Uri Noi Mier from Imagine Action. Imagine Action was born 20 years ago from the vision of Hector Aristizabal. Today, it is a growing network of social art facilitators that use theater and storytelling to create spaces in which communities can see and heal themselves. Welcome, Uri. Thank you. So before we get started, I want to let you know that uh, if you hang on to the end of the episode, you'll be receiving a special promo code for one of Uri's upcoming trainings, which we'll be talking about on the podcast. So hold tight for that. But with that being said, Uri, why don't you start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about how you found Theatre for Social Change? Um, yeah, so um, I think I, I didn't plan to do what I do, and I think... Um, I don't know if anyone ever plans to do this work, if if we even know what what how to call it. But um, mm-hmm. I I grew up as a uh, in a village in the Galilee in north of Israel, um, in a small village, a hundred families. So yeah, um, it was generally kind of well off village. You know, my my father was a professor in the university and. Yeah, my mother was a teacher in special education, and um, I think I I had a I had a very protected childhood. I would say, in a very beautiful place in the nature in the big garden. But of course, I, I was living into a situation um, uh, in which uh, it seems conflict was woven and still woven into the story. Uh, so I, I remember some memories from the first Gulf War um, and kind of the, the whole scare of missiles situation that was going on. Um, and then in a later point in my life, I also was met or I was in the same area as, a, as an explosion when I was 12, mm. a suicide bomber that exploded in Tel Aviv when we were visiting there, my sister so, so there were starting to to enter into my life, uh, to the protected life. Um, but I, I feel that really what really shifted, changed the, my, the course of my life as a Jewish-Israeli man uh, was the army, in, which was an experience that, um, again, uh, was part of or still is a part of being who I was in terms of an identity and uh, obligatory by law, but also obligatory, obligatory by social convention. And I spent most of my service in Gaza um, in the tunnel team. So I was a tunnel rat going into tunnels and destroying tunnels. The, that experience uh, left me with a lot of questions. 
I lost friends. I've seen a lot of destruction caused by the, the military forces in which I was part of. I didn't kill anyone or wounded anyone, but I've seen a lot of destruction. And I left with a lot of questions about how did I get there and mm. what was, you know, why did I survive some more extent? Like, how did I get there and why were, how did we get there? And, and I, I didn't feel anyone uh, was really willing to not just give me the answers, but even have the conversation. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, so I went into uh, different stages and then in university, I was traveling and then I went to university. I kind of accidentally went into a theater course. I, I was introduced to theater to actually just before that, uh, one of the friends that uh, died in, in a military operation, his father was an actor, a famous actor in Israel. And there was some kind of connection bonding that was happening afterwards. And I went with him on backstage on one of the main theaters in Tel Aviv and I, mm. and that got my curiosity and when I was in university I dropped into this course of it was medieval theater and up till modern theater and yeah it was really interesting and so I, I changed my focus to theater in the mm. university and now I would say that theater had become a way for me to deconstruct my identity and and really open up a lot of what I would call firstly as a political awakening and encountering theater of the oppressed, the book by Boal and then the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and I would say more now, I would see how I was also entering in some kind of healing process or self-observing, self-awareness that that was kind of moving from the very mechanized kind of distorted situation of separation that I just experienced into something else, and this something else is is a is a search. It's it's not uh, an answer. It's it's a path. That's mm. how I would say it. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to like get a story into theater. And so, I mean, you've now kind of found yourself here in Imagine Actions work, and this organization's been running for twenty years now. I wonder if you could share a little bit about you know how this organization came to be and and where it finds itself today, and how you kind of fit into that picture. Yeah, so I, you know, again, I fell into Imagine Action as I was in falling forward in my theater's path. And it was already a, an existing organization for almost 10 years uh, through the work of Hector Aristizaba, who was for 20 years a psychologist. He, he lived, um, he grew up in Colombia and, and left it for political reasons after being tortured and 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 being at risk and and leaving to the United States where he got married and and started to practice as a psychologist but he was also doing theater the whole time and um more and more of that theater work came central to the work with groups and and with with um with the project uh i i i think it's great if you invite hector to tell more of those first 10 years but mm-hmm. uh what really touched me when i met him um in nepal when i was working and volunteering there is the way that he brought his personal story and made it into a play called nightwind and he weaved this theater work and his personal work and the political everything was weaved in together so beautifully and you know he gave me his book book that he co-wrote with another member of Imagine Action, uh, which is about his life story, The Blessing Next to the Wound. 
And there was something there in the way that he was carrying uh, the story and the way that he was bringing and, and this idea that we all carry a wound and near our wound, there is a blessing that by giving it to others, we can heal ourselves. It's really deeply mm -hmm. resonated. So uh, that's how I got into Imagine Action. And he invited me to an opportunity to kind of be mentored, interned with him in a project in Northern Ireland. And that was a, a deep learning experience that I still carry uh, into my work. And um, yeah, in the last years, I've become more active, mostly with kind of our online community development, exper experimenting, bringing our experience in mentoring into the hybrid weird world we're living in right now. Um, but yeah, I think mostly for me, there is so much there about that encounter, I guess, uh, that is still vibrating in me. Um, uh, I see Hector as a, as a mentor and as someone that shown me that this self-healing path and this political past can be woven together in, in such a beautiful way. And I kind of trying to, to see how how I can walk this path and how I can, yeah, maybe support others in that as well. Mm, yeah. And so you guys obviously draw on a number of different methods for the work that you do. And I know you mentioned, you know, when you first found Theater of the Oppressed and how it kind of changed your path a little bit. I wonder if you could talk about some of the methodologies that Imagine Action uses. Um, so maybe TO to start, and then we can work towards some of the others. Yeah, so I, I think what really characterizes the uh, Imagine Action artists, uh, me, Hector, and others, you know, Angelo, and that we are kind of uh, not very orthodox. Uh, we, we, we bring different methods um, and we mix them together and it's very context-oriented. Um, uh, on the website, there is Theatre of the Press, which is definitely one of the source kind of places for for many of the the first circle cycle and you know theater of the oppressed i would not go on to describe it but for me what really moves me is this idea that uh, we are all actors we're all artists and somehow this recognizing that that owning that our ability to be creators is a transformative not just individually but also socially collectively transformative experience mm -hmm. so so that's i think this is the core essence of theater of the oppressed that i feel represents so much of what imagine action is about mm. uh, but then there are other methods or approaches that we weave in to bring in other elements so for me there was always something there in the essence of theater of the oppressed that drove me but then I was searching for more and I think that's uh, what what found me and I found that has been entering my work is dragon dreaming and social presencing theater mm -hmm. um, which I find very complementary to to the parts of theater of the press that I'm working with um, again I think for other people in Imagine Action Hector working a lot with work that reconnects currently combining the theater work with the work that reconnects and, and many of us are also inspired by the work of Joanna Macy and the work that reconnects. Uh, drama therapy, uh, their empathic listening, focusing in areas. So, you know, I think that's that's the key where we bring more systems together. Uh, and at least for me, the dragon dreaming, which is not an arts practice per se, a uh, theater practice is uh, more of a meta approach for community building and project development that we implement, I feel, with Imagine Action internally, and I implement in all 
my theater project because theater the theater they're projects in the end you know so all of them mm-hmm. are projects so it's understanding how projects work and how to do more uh horizontal participatory approach for projects uh, feeds and there is a map there so so i refer to it and i know hector also refers to it as a as something that helps understand how certain things work uh, with social presence in theater which comes from the work of arawana hayashi mm-hmm. in the present institute there is something in this quality of the body the body as a vehicle of knowing and a more systemic holistic understanding of that which really fills the gap for me with some things that in theater depressed i i was i found lacking i i wanted more support in in that uh, aspect mostly when i look into this internal reality of also the story that i shared before you know so as someone that has been in the position of the soldier or the oppressor and and seeing that that there was a gateway for myself there i i wonder and there is a lot of openings that has happened through the later connection with social presence theater about that opened for me also ancestral kind of understanding of where things coming from where mm-hmm. where is this oppression coming from where is this violence coming from uh and 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 finding tools to precise and go deeper so 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 that has been um some of the tools that were complementing and important for me and they're also presented on the website um but yeah actually we we can probably do like dozens like a whole library of methods because i think we are borrowers mm-hmm. <laughs> uh um borrowers or uh yeah even thieves you know picasso said like a uh, good good uh bad artist copy good artist steal so i think <laughs> i think i think we're a good we steal a lot from from other methods we don't have a method of our own right now maybe we will never have but we and methods are made for people i really like this that's something hector told me in nepal when i first met him that boal augusto boal from theater of press said in one workshop saying that you know the the tools the methods are there to serve people and not people to serve the tools or the methods so i think that's that's a principle of the work Mhm. Yeah, it warms my heart to hear you say that because I feel like that's how I practice <laughs> and it's kind of giving me some more permission there because I do find that especially right now the field is very experient uh experimental um and it's almost inventing itself in real time especially as we've shifted into different realities uh you know a global pandemic and coming online um for myself I also sort of started rooted in theater of the oppressed but very quickly once moving online my something very internal within me found techniques like social presencing theater and like these other drama therapy approaches but without really knowing they were out there and then finding them and having words and frameworks to put to them has helped but it's also this weird thing of say you know can i borrow this can i steal this is this mine was it yours like i love that this work is very almost open source anytime i've come up against it it's kind of like their gifts that people share and then you take and you and you create and everybody kind of does it in their own way and i think that it's not it's also part of the transformation of this work cuz that's not really how our world works it's very competitive and ownership um so it's very freeing to be in environments with other people who want to just share and give and say take it make it your own you know use this it's a gift it's medicine so um yeah i i love that you said that 
Um, I'd love to just go back for a second because you talked about dragon dreaming, but I, I know there's a lot of people out there that probably have no idea what dragon dreaming is. So I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about it, maybe a high level overview of what it what it is and what you use it for. Yeah, so dragon dreaming comes from the work of uh, John Croft and uh, uh, Viviana Lente, his late wife, um, and the work of the Gaia Foundation in Australia. But it actually is uh, sourced with many, many uh, kind of approaches, interlinked pedagogy of the press, chaos theory, and very much so Aboriginal ways of knowing of Niangar people that uh, John and Viviana Lente work with in the Gaia Foundation uh, in Australia, working with kind of community development work. And what it offers for me or what I, you know, so currently there are already, I guess, maybe hundreds of people around the world that John and, and other people trained in that approach. Uh, it, it really provides a map uh, into projects and understanding as a living system, as a living, uh, so that it, projects have uh, a living, uh, they are like a living organism. And, and so we say in Dragon Dreaming, every project have dreaming, planning, doing, and celebrating. There is a cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So everything in life has these stages and realizing the importance of each of these stages, especially those ones that in the West, we tend to kind of ignore like dreaming and celebrating and how this, there is like a living cycle within that. And there is a lot of wisdom within that. Um, uh, another definition sometimes is love in action. I love that. There's a short definition for dragon dreaming, love in action. And <laughs> aligning, aligning your personal growth with community building and service to the earth. So all of that, that's, that's a framework. There is a map. There is even wheel, kind of like the medicine wheel, which helps for me to frame my being and a change maker in a way. Uh, through the arts uh, and a community organizer and, and a social artist. And so it kind of gives me, it gives me something to work with in this very in-between space that many of us are, you know, we're not exactly artists. We're not exactly uh, therapists. We're not exactly, we're not a lot of things. So, so exactly when you're in this in-between space, having maps really helps. So for mm. me, Dragon Dreaming is, is an amazing map and also a community of, of map builders and map map goers and inventors. And, and it's really in that space of kind of participatory, radically participatory projects, uh, which are grounded in wisdom and win, win, win. You know, I can win, the community can win, the earth can win. And, and going with that perspective somehow. Um, yeah, and, and I don't give as much trainings in that only when I'm specifically asked for. Like I... I organize a lot of theater work online, in person, but I I always offer training in Dragon Dreaming when I because I'm specifically off invited to one because my way of doing Dragon Dreaming is probably different than than many of the other people doing Dragon Dreaming because mm -hmm. I I I'm more of a practitioner. I implement it. I don't necessarily go through the same tools that you will do in a in a regular. Dragon Dreaming intro. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that, um, yeah, I guess I'm still, you know, my real passion is in the theater work, you know, is in the, you know, that's, that's where, where I'm coming from. But I, I yeah, it's very important building block as well. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm very interested in learning more about that. It sounds very, uh, 
yeah, it's always refreshing to hear about new models that exist to collaborate and um, that have more sort of an abundant lens to it. <laughs> um, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about, so Stuck to Rainbow is a workshop that you recently offered um, and that kind of brings together TO with, I believe, social presencing theater techniques. Um, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about that and how the two work together. Yeah, so the Stuck to Rainbow uh, process and lab started um, for me uh, when I was doing Unlock the News last year, which was kind of, I started coming up with Unlock the News before the pandemic, but then it was the idea of newspaper theater online and doing this mm -hmm. workshop online. <laughs> and as I was starting to work, like COVID came and uh, well, it was a weird situation. I, I didn't, didn't even continue initially because I was doing other stuff. Yeah, we had this, I had this course with uh, 40 people, 10 groups of, four groups of 10 people about um, meeting online to explore this newspaper theater for the 21st century and trying Zoom. And I was mixing, like I do a lot of the time, mostly these two main tools that I use, theater of the press and social pressing theater. And the way that I do, I, you know, I kind of, kind of like a crazy cook, you know, mixing ingredients mm -hmm. and seeing what relate. lands. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and one of those things, uh, we, we did the stack practice and actually I had a guest coming in, which is one of my SPT teacher, Manish Sirivastra. And I, cause I, I, I like to invite guests, guests for my courses because I like this, I can learn more, mm -hmm. um, and we can get more. And he was leading the stack actually in the group. Uh, and then I, I moved into the rainbow process from the stack. So in stack, for people that don't know, we are basically embody those places that we're stuck in our lives. And we create a shape, a physical shape that represents, it's not represents, it feels like the place mm -hmm. of our stuck. And we explore it and we kind of trust the wisdom of the body, uh, not necessarily to find the solution, but finding the next step. So there is kind of a leaning into and one of the ways of doing this stuck is, is called stuck with forces in which I position other people as the forces. Because like when I'm stuck, you know, I'm like Arawana sometimes says, nobody's stuck by themselves. You know, there is a whole system around us. So we make those, we invite other people to do the forces. And that is very similar to the rainbow of desire uh, mm -hmm. process in which we are kind of, uh, we do our, so in the rainbow of desire, where we explore the internalized oppression, we do the voices in our heads. And I said, oh, that's interesting. If we can move from the stuck to forces to the rainbow, because it feels like it's in the same realm. And, mm -hmm. and, this, and, and it did, like, from my experience, what was really great is that it really worked. Uh, and it, it was really deep in a, in, and it worked online. So I, so I did it with those groups. And then I said, okay, we just just do that and do a lab just to explore that. Mm. And it really is surprising, like every time we do it. Also, like how this this meets and how this kind of the forces and the voices are are kind of similar. Mm. Uh, and and they and the process itself it informs. So they, they can really support the, the different parts of the process really support each other. Mm. And then of course like how deep people are able to to go. Uh, in this online format as well, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible to, to, to see people work uh, on some and, and embody for each other, those voices, those uh, forces and dialogue with those forces and, and kind of 
build a bridge and uh, between and finding the wisdom in this kind of in in the resistance somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that that's how it started and that's where it is right now. We, I'm doing this uh, monthly labs and I'm still kind of adjusting the format and seeing what really works. Um, of course, you know a lot of those practices uh, come from doing it in person and mm-hmm. doing it online is different and um, very different. I would even say, um, but nonetheless powerful. So right now it's called Stuck to Rainbow. Um, maybe it, it needs another name at some point, but right now it, that's, that's, it's moving from the stuck situation as a group exploration of the body into the rainbow, which is more an exploration of the social voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of this shift between the two methods, which is one of the places that I found the easiest to really bridge on a mm. process level. And when, from a practical standpoint, when somebody, so when we're exploring one person's stuck moment and you're doing the forces, then when you transition into rainbow, are you still in the same stuck? And then you're assigning um, almost characters or voices to those same forces, or is there sort of new voices that appear through the rainbow? Yeah, I've uh, we've tried it. I tried it in different ways. In a way, uh, I feel like um, it's it seems like it's almost the same. Although I I give people the possibility to create a new one when they mm-hmm. do, when we do the rainbow. So it it doesn't have to be that you have you are stuck with your forces from the stuck stuck with your uh, stuck. <laughs> you're not stuck. <laughs> you can you, it can change in when we do the rainbow. And even if it's not the same forces, you, we can, there is something that we can lean into that exploration that you did with the, with the embodied stuck, which mm. gives us resources. So what I found is that it really allows the, let's say, the case giver, the protagonist, the, the story giver, case giver to have this embodied memory. And I can, as a facilitator, I can invite them to, to go back to your stuck or go to your stuck too. Mm-hmm. And see, and now try speaking with those voices. So it, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes I I did it last time. I did it. It was interesting because uh, I had them choose uh, one of the forces to just start the dialogue. So just move from mm. now. So in the stack, we just moved, and and in the rainbow, now you can talk with this mm-hmm. force and start a conversation, and 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 you can kind of try to negotiate, let's say, with this force um, and it worked so so i think they are transferable but it's not necessarily that you have to really then use the same forces you can also create new forces as the mm-hmm. process goes on i feel yeah yeah it's so interesting and i was actually watching one of the videos that you put up on the website about this process and one thing you said and it really stuck with me and it's something i've experienced myself but you were talking about how uh, it was an example of somebody who was doing a stuck and um, how they move to their stuck too, but the forces also are moving based on just sort of what their body wants, but also kind of taking in what's happening on the screen. And I think everyone was kind of amazed that, you know, even though you're not in the same room and we're not looking into each other's eyes, there is a sense of connection. There is this like very real energy and something you said was interesting, just like that. It's making you think about how energy travels and how are we connected? And that really resonated with me because the work I've done online, I've at first was very critical about it. And then when I started doing it, we all felt that. 
<laughs> and so, but I hadn't thought about it from that frame of mind of thinking not just, oh, we're able to create this in our own places, but actually there might be some energy between us. There might be like an actual stream of connection going on. And I think that's really exciting. Do you want to talk at all about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Like, uh, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I also did this uh, exploration work with an actor friend from Senegal who was stuck in Italy at the time and an Italian dancer friend and we just improvised for like an hours you know we met and we improvised and i have this recording on zoom and and it's and i you know this thing that's like oh wow look like that we're in connected we're doing the same thing we're not looking at the screen but i you can mm -hmm. definitely feel that we're connected and and again that came like also i did some stock work uh, we did that with the children so we're working with an organization in india that works with children and amazing children doing drama and and we were doing the stuck and you know this seven years old girl says you know i could really feel she felt the force physically you know and hmm. you know so it's a child like she doesn't make up stuff like that right mm -hmm, and, and, mm -hmm. and 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 i also feel it you know when when you tune into it you feel oh that's that's not that's i can really feel the other person in this mm -hmm. other place Mm -hmm. um so, so what does that mean what does that mean i'm not sure exactly what does it mean and it is exciting it means for me it means that maybe yeah that our awareness this this awareness it, it travels it's not confined really in space in and mm -hmm. time even and, and yeah in the stuck to rainbow workshops people are amazed by themselves on how they are able to to say stuff as a, a voice without knowing the story of the other person. They, they start mm -hmm. saying stuff and the person would say, that's exactly it. So, <laughs> so there's a transferability, right? So yeah. there's like a movement of awareness, which is, um, yeah, it, uh, I don't know what it means, but it means that maybe we're, we're, we're not just what we see maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I think it's really, really exciting. And I, and I have to wonder if we ever would have had that type of insight if we hadn't been forced to move online, you know, like there was a big like bump in the road, obviously when COVID hit and a lot of apprehension and waiting to see, maybe we'll actually be back in person soon, but when it, it didn't happen, it's been really incredible to sort of see how we've shifted and, you know, created something totally new and are now learning new things. So yeah, I think we can geek out on that because I think we're both kind of feeling that power right now. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I know Imagine Action does a lot of work on the ground and now online as well. So I wonder, you know, how do those two work together? Uh, do you want to talk about how you're kind of working towards bridging the gap between your in-person work and your online work and kind of what that looks like? So I think, you know, going back to the technology, I think this technology is here to help us remember what we are capable of without it. Hmm. So, 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 and, and I interviewed some people on that. So I really believe that this is not new. This is not a new human capability, this kind of ability to feel each other over great distances. And again, there are informations, researchers that came and spoke with Aboriginal people in the beginning when, and they, they indicate that the telepathy, this uh, possibility of sending thought over kilometers of deserts and uh, so there is an element there that we are remembering something about a capacity that we somehow, you know, we misplaced it. <laughs> we misplaced our, our understanding of certain aspects of our 
capacity. So it, so to go back to also to this question of online. Uh, so currently, I don't do a lot of uh, physical work. For I do a lot of local work also online with working with migrants and and refugee here in Italy. Our work uh, for different logistical reasons is still uh, going on online. But I feel um, at least, and, and I think with Imagine Action, there are people that are uh, more able to work on the ground or or don't feel to work as much online. Uh, and and people that do that, uh, but I feel it's about the bridging practitioners. So just before this call, we started a series of conversations, uh, and the first conversation was with um, uh, Felicia. Uh, that her last name I will not say correctly, but she's a she's a PhD in Ghana University and does amazing work with theater there. And and there was a group of us, including uh, Nico, who is also in Imagine Action. He's kind of came in as an asylum seeker to Scotland, but living there for 20 years from Zimbabwe. And a group of researchers from Sweden of ecological masculinities. And we were just, uh, it was basically a conversation or an interview, right, of her work and trying to understand how can we be better researchers and action takers as as men and and as in this ecological masculinities conversation um and we didn't do a lot of like embodiment work we just did a moment of kind of centering i guess but there was for me such beautiful conversation she was sharing her story and her path in it and we were seeing each other there was something happening there that it was significant for that moment and we're also building relationships so in terms of what the online work can do, I feel for some of us, it's, it's, uh, it's the mission to discover <laughs> this new way of working, which might be a completely different art form from the original one. And it's our duty also, especially those that have the, the, the gift and the, the cap- capability also. We had a lot of line disconnection from Ghana uh, mm-hmm. during the call and a lot of technical is to be bridges and connect with those on the ground and 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 create that bridge so that voices come so that the voices um are coming into existence and that we can bring support and the listening and the support is is not just you know sometimes it is giving money but it's it's giving space listening to the story uh, giving space, be seeing, being seen. So I feel that that's part of of the opportunity we have. And so I feel like in the last two years, it was really about like putting the social arts across borders, like across mm-hmm. borders, like and cross borders. It means also not across the geographical borders, but also like those borders that we create in our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and cross like crossing and crisscrossing that, so I feel the the online work what it can really where it really shines is when we're able to cross borders and we're able to see and empower the work being done on the ground in the past, in the present, and in the future. So we can we can use this weird time to learn from each other, mm-hmm. to exchange wisdom, to build relationships. So once things, if ever, start again so people say like how when things start again as if as if you can go back just go straight back yeah yeah but um that then then we do it better 
Yeah. And I mean, in terms, so a part of Imagine Action's work is creating this network of social arts facilitators and practitioners. So how would somebody who might be listening, learn more about that or get involved? Like, what does that look like in a, in a practical setting? Yeah. So I feel we're cultivating a network. The network was there before us and will be there after us. And uh, I think there is like a service uh, aspect to that uh, of cultivating the network, the connections. Uh, there are networks of practitioners uh, of theater of the oppressed, uh, and there are networks of practitioners of social presence in theater, and, and there are many other networks. And I feel we're kind of a network or a bridging of networks. There is a lot of bridging of networks, mm-hmm. and there is a kind of a community, growing community. Um, I think there are different ways to to interact, and we're still learning how to get people involved in a way that makes sense. Uh, currently, we're 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 in the pilot of the mentoring program, which is also a way that we are learning how to do it. So, um, so we the, the, basically you get involved, and then you are part of Imagine Action. You know, <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of the the, the main thing. But like the, there is an element of getting to know each other, right? So that the, so we build a relationship. So it's not just technical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the mentoring programs tries to build that. And it's a, so now it's a five month program. We just started the first one and there is a group, a small group, uh, eight people, uh, doing that. And we have guests like Arawana, like, uh, Hector, like David Diamond that I know you interviewed and which are more like mentors, kind of master practitioners, or even younger practitioners that, uh, within the network. And, and there is the people that are working on their projects and we're also matching them with mentors and both internally within the group, having a mentor, someone to talk with, to be accountable, to exchange with and in larger networks. So currently we're also inviting people to register as a mentor and we'll find a way to feature that, like creating a, a matching of mentors and mentees or some kind of creating like a weaving of mentors. That's something that uh, we're developing and yeah, and events um, of different scales. When the COVID came, I was involved in kind of helping organize the Joker Exchange, which was an exchange with theater of the press practitioners, like a few hundred people engaged with that in April and May 2020. And I think this sort of kind of open events and conversations are places that are kind of opening for new people. And then as people come in, they they start to see how to interact, maybe entering as in the mentoring program or maybe becoming mentors for the people in the mentoring program or something else. You know, there are several projects that have been developed like Voicing Gaia, in which there is more like embodying the voice of nature and building performance around that. So there are people interacting, entering to projects or through the professional development work or supporting the profession. So the, all of that system, ecosystem is, is, is a way to interact. So we're currently, so there are two people in the current program that are doing it as a work exchange, and they're also took on and <laughs> in the next five months to improve our social media and our website. Nice. So, so hopefully that, that will, because I, I realized uh, that we did some work on the website in the beginning of the pandemic, but the way the change is happening and the website is not matching up. So we need to find a way to to get uh, the the updated information on the website mm-hmm. and the rate of which things are happening. It's um, hard when your work is constantly emerging, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Websites are a little too static. Yes. 
Yeah, I love the work that you're doing. I think building a network, and I know there are networks out there, but every time I feel like practitioners and people interested in this work can connect with one another and find each other, it just helps to build that energy up. I know for myself, I kind of live in a bubble where a lot of people don't know what this work is. And so for me, it can feel like I'm doing something all alone. Um, but when I connect with people like you and I and I hear about these networks, it gives me it gives me energy and it makes me find a little bit of belonging there. So I appreciate that you do that for me. And I'm sure you do it for a lot of other people too, because this work is, you know, it's growing and it's global, um, but it's still very unknown by a lot of people. So um, yeah, I just appreciate all that you do and um, finding you at this time in my own journey has been really nice because it's also been nice to hear some of my own thoughts and realizations reflected back. And I feel like we are connected even though we're, we're far apart. So is there anything else that you want to share today that's come up through our conversation? Anything that we've missed? Yeah, no, thank you, first of all, for, for this podcast and, and this conversation. I feel this is also, or mostly, uh, one of the better ways that we can use this time. This kind of this is harvesting wisdom. This is putting people in connections. We also started a podcast. We we had a little pause. We're not so consistent as you. Uh, you're you're very, but you're an inspiration. Actually, you should come and improve us our podcast as well. <laughs> but uh, and but I feel like that's kind of yeah. That's that's like the collaborations that really will make the difference going forward. That's the opportunities like building this kind of places where we can share wisdom and 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 meet each other. Um, that what will help us be ready for what is coming because what is coming that, that we haven't seen nothing uh, unfortunately because um, it, it seems like we're very slow learners <laughs> um, the earth is trying to to shake us a little bit um, so and it's a pretty big thing so it it can shake in all so many ways so mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's important for us to to learn from this moment and get ready for the next one um, mm-hmm. And spaces like this are helping, they're conserving wisdom and they're building wisdom. And that's, we need wisdom to survive mm-hmm. in this uncertain future. Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can completely vibe with you on that because, you know, you can go from seeing the simplicity of the work sometimes to zooming out and seeing just the powerfulness of it. And it can be something as, again, like just seeing, oh, this is just a frivolous, fun little exercise to, you know, this could potentially save us. <laughs> so it's like these really zooming in, zooming out moments. Um, and so again, when I see your words and I see your language, I'm like, it, it just reinvigorates me because I'm like, yes, this is definitely uh it's something that I'm being drawn to for a reason. And I think it has a lot of validity, I guess, before you go, I mean, you do talk about, it's a little dark, but you know, we're talking about what's coming and our relationship with the earth and and what it's telling us and what's being very heavily ignored um, by many. Um, And just, you know, the struggle with how to act as an individual. I just wonder if you have any thoughts about how theater will play a role in how we take on the challenges to come. And I know you you do some work that kind of helps connect with the earth. Um, Just anything you can speak to on that while I have you. Yeah. um, So I'm noticing the the artwork on your on your back with the whale. And we just had, uh, so the SPT, Social Prancing Theatre Community, has a community jam session happening every week. 
And currently we were exploring a movie about whales in, uh, I think, in uh, British Columbia area where there's a beautiful kind of documentary film, but we're kind of exploring it through the body. And, and there was a lot of connecting with the whale and, and embodying the whale. And um, there, so the whale, so what would the whales do? So I think, I think it's, it's key for us right now as human beings to remember that we need to kind of be humble and understand that there is a way of understanding uh, which we need to reconnect with. The whales know. So we need to find our whaleness. <laughs> we need to, to, to get us back in track. And the theater, the body is a gateway to realigning with that connected knowledge of, of how we are connected. We're connected with everything. So I feel theater offers us a gateway to reconnect to heal. There is a lot of woundedness, a lot of the damage, the violence we're creating in the world right now is actually a result of trauma, of woundedness mm -hmm. that we have accumulated, feeling separated and creating separation between ourselves and nature for so many generations. Mm -hmm. And theater um, is a gateway. It has been a gateway for me and it's a gateway for many people to heal. And the sort of healing and connecting to wisdom and reconnection that will help us align back to be to be whales again, to mm -hmm. be part of the cycle, mm -hmm. uh, and to maybe even speak with whales. Who knows? We're, we'll learn. We'll relearn our our songs, our songing, singing with the earth, mm -hmm. like whales do in the ocean. And we can really be be whales again. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. So before we go, I always like to end my podcasts with a little tool share for all the practitioners out there. So I ask of you in 30 seconds or less, share with us your favorite applied theater game or exercise and why. This could be anything from a workshop exercise to a warm up, a song, anything you want. Like today we had this conversation and actually it wasn't really an exercise. It was just noticing us sitting in the planet and recognizing we are on this planet and, and recognizing each other. That's, that's just sort of, I don't know if it's a game or an exercise, but it's sort of a practice that I'm doing. And, but then I did want to share also a song, but, um, and this song is, it actually comes from Senegal. Uh, and I learned it because I feel that my best games, my best practices, they come from the people I work with. And I learned this song when I was visiting friends doing projects in, in the north of Senegal. And they were singing this song as introducing the actors in the performance. And then, then I took this song and we, we did it with many groups. It's a welcoming song. So you, it's Asalam Alemun Bandirabe. And then you say the name of the person. So I said, uh, and then Salminimo. So I'll do it for you and I. And you can imagine doing it with hundreds of school children um, but hundreds is hard it takes a long time but asalam alemun bandira be megan megan salminimu asalam alemun bandira be uri uri salminimu asalam alemun bandira be hector hector salminimu Bandirabe, oh, the whale on the wall. Salminimo. Sal and then you can continue, you know, Salam Alemun. All the earth. Salminimo. 
Um, and there is something about this rhythm and this welcoming, which is also like remembering. And I see in groups like this gift of remembering who we are, uh, that I thank Senegal and Africa, which I have relationship with. Um, and I feel we all have is a remembering. So, so that's the song of welcoming. And it means it's actually Arabic or it's the kind of way of speaking Arabic in, in this area of the Sahel, in the uh, sub-Saharan part of Senegal. Uh, it's mean uh, salam alaikum, you know, it's peace on you, mm. uh, your name, you are welcomed. You know, it's, that's, mm. that's very simple, you know. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. That was really beautiful. Thank you so much again, Yuri. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And for all of you still listening, as promised, if you want to join Uri for his upcoming Stuck to Rainbow Lab, uh, you can check out the show notes for a link to learn more about them. And as my beloved podcast listeners, and thanks to Uri, you have access to a special promotional price for those workshops. So if you want to access that, use the promo code T4GOOD, all capital letters and the number four. So capital T, four, good. This podcast is brought to you by Theatre for Good and recorded in Nagojuanong, the traditional territory of the Mississauga Anishinaabe, also known as Peterborough, Ontario. If you work for a business, organization, or community group who is struggling to collaborate and create the results you're working towards, I want to invite you to reach out to us at hello at theaterforgood.ca or visit our website at www.theaterforgood.ca to learn more about how we can come and facilitate a workshop in person or online that can help you build meaningful connections and uncover new ideas and solutions to the problems your team is facing. My name is Meg Nimigon, and I can't wait to create with you. Until next time. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like it, keep following Theater for Good podcast. And there are some great new episodes that have been done since then with friends like Chetna and Sony bringing work from India and Thailand and many more probably by the time you're listening to this. Um, next episode, we'll also share some bits and pieces from a conversation I had with Megan and Nico for this podcast and about podcasting in general. You liked it. Keep following um, the podcast here. Keep following on activities by Imagine Action. And you have ideas and you want to have a conversation for the podcast or something else, just send us a message and at uh, projects uh, at imagineaction.org. Building transformative communities for future. Nosotros creemos que la imaginación es el derecho universal. Podcast in imagination. We believe imagination is our universal right and regeneration is our collective responsibility. Modulo, modulo.